This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. John Waters, it is wonderful to have you with us, and thank you for joining us once again. It's a pleasure to be on with you again, Peter. Thank you very much. Not at all. It's been, goodness, two years. I look back and it's January 2021, so please accept my apologies for not having you on more often. We will do. Um, and for the viewers and listeners, you can follow John on his Substack, johnwaters.substack.com. I get it into my inbox and it will give you John's perspective and thoughts on a whole range of events. So I do encourage you to go uh, sign up to that. And you can even sign up for the paid version if you so wish and support John in that way. Um, John, you're probably looking at the Substack and I... I I look. I was reading through it today, looking at your description, and I noticed that you call yourself an Irish thinker, writer, and uh, as Irish thinker, talker, and writer. That's the one. Yeah, uh, I, I would have just put you on as a journalist, but that word is connotations. But yeah, you're the first guest I've ever had on who defines himself by being a thinker and a talker. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly. You put your finger on there. I, I, I use. I come up with try and come up with words of self description that are not journalist. Uh, even though as a child I, I couldn't. The idea of being a journalist and having that name appended, that word appended to my name, was like beyond a dream. You know, it was, uh, and now you know, just connotations of just uh, lying and scummery and just uh, uh, speaking on behalf of the power, attacking the vulnerable. You know, and so on and so on and so on. So yeah, it's 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 really just an alternative to being regarded as to describing myself really as a, a lion scumbag which you know I think is, <laughs> naturally I will try a little harder and I must come up with some more words for that because I think I'm going to need them for a little longer it, it and I think I can say this someone born on the Isle of Ireland born in the north and live in the south it 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 comes it's so Irish people think of the Irish as, as talkers uh, as thinkers so it kind of fits into that little stereotype <laughs> It does, yeah. It's a little bit pretentious, I have to say, a little bit, uh, you know, affected. But, you know, it needs must. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of toyed with the idea of reporter, but it doesn't really get me. Writer, you know, I am, but it, but it's a particular kind of writing, I guess. So uh, journalist is a word which, as I say, once treasured and, and hopeful, I hope will be treasured once again in our culture and in our, in our civilization. But at the moment, it's the, it's the byword of a scumbag, you know. Well, one issue that, journalists have been silent on we could have a range of issues but the one we'll look at today is immigration and what's been happening in ireland uh looking at it from over here on the mainland as i would have called uh gb when i was back and living in in ireland northern ireland but it seems to be an immigration level that's much higher than we've seen before and the irish have traditionally been a people of hospitality of generosity of open arms um but do you want to just give us your thoughts your assessment on what exactly has been happening regarding immigration at the moment well uh, as you say I mean, ireland always had a stream a steady stream of people coming here to live and work and, and stay and be welcomed and we didn't ever have an issue of rejecting any such people uh, but what's happening now and what has been happening for over 20 years is, is actually quite different but increasingly so 
acceleratingly so in the past three years since the so-called uh, pandemic, yep. which was used as a cover to bring in huge numbers surreptitiously by night in planes. You know, you would see them in the morning in Dublin with their cases dragging behind them, you know, like 10 or 12 of them coming, having coming from the airport. At the same time that the Irish people were locked down and forbidden to go any more than two kilometres from their own homes, you know, half the world was coming to join us without any consultation with the Irish people. And this was a kind of an acceleration of a trend that had been with us for, for maybe 20 years, going back to 2004 and the opening of the European borders, which, you know, the Irish people voted for. I didn't. I didn't vote for it. I didn't agree with it. Not necessarily on that re- for that reason. Yeah. Uh, uh, although you know, for reasons that, that I had fears that what was what is happening now would indeed happen. Uh, but uh, so people did vote for the expansion of the European uh, Community and so on the, the Union. And uh, you know, I didn't quibble with that. Um, but it was clear from very early on from maybe about 2005 6 7 that uh, you know the, the, these the, that there were a lot of people coming into Ireland who were not Europeans and who yeah. didn't originate in Europe that they were using uh, Europe as a stepping stone to get into Ireland yeah. and again that was kind of something that was uh, had no context or no explanation in the context of what we had voted for uh, it wasn't being elaborated upon by politicians uh, and so on. And I remember at that time, around that time when I began to become aware of that, I started asking questions about it, but you weren't permitted to ask questions. You know, to ask questions was racist. Yeah. So if you wanted to know, I mean, Ireland was at the time a population of under four million. And if you wanted to say, okay, well, like, you know, to somebody who wanted to open up our borders, well, like to what extent, you know, like, like yeah. what is Ireland? You know, is Ireland, as Thomas Davis prophesied, just a sandbank? on which we walk about and indifferently and uh, it doesn't really matter who's here it doesn't matter you know why they're here it doesn't matter where they come from it doesn't matter what their agendas are or can we actually fix a number and that was the question that seemed to me to be the most germane to say to these people okay you know fine you want to bring in people okay but can you tell us who you're bringing in and can you tell us what your end uh, game is how many do you want to bring in a population of less than four million what another million Oh, don't be ridiculous. Okay, fine. So you're saying that's too many. Mm. Okay, that's that's the start. Okay. Well, then let's say at the other end, the hypothesis maybe will say uh, a dozen people. Oh, you're playing games. No, no, I'm not playing games. You say, so it's not twel- It's not a dozen. It's not 12. So that's too, 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 too few. Right. Fair enough. I probably agree with you. Now, somewhere between 12 and a million is a figure that we need to fix on. So can we work on that a little bit? And, you know, maybe we end up with a figure, let's say it's 450,000 uh, and 25, right? So, okay, so on Monday morning after that, the 450,000 and 26th person arrives at Dublin Airport and walks up the plane and says, here I am. And we say, sorry, uh, I'm, you're, I'm very sorry, you're in hard luck. You know, uh, we're full up now. We've taken our quota. We said we would, and that's it. I'm very sorry, but you're going to have to go back on the next plane. Is that racist? Is that racist? Well, of course, we know the answer to that. Mm. That is racist because there was never any question in these minds other than that they would have free access, free free reign to bring as many people as they wanted into Ireland, which is an unlimited number. They have no limits. And they say this now, by the way. They say there is no upward uh, ceiling. There's no cap on migrants. Uh, we've already taken in uh, nearly 100,000 Ukrainians, for example, in the mm. last 
10 months. And they're saying that we could expect the same again within a year. Wow. I mean, you know, and moreover, we've there's a there's a, a concept which has been in use here in general, which we again is sort of subterranean uh, of family reunification, uh, whereby once one person comes in, they're entitled to bring in their extended family. And there's actually no up, upward limit on that either, it appears. But the average that we have found per person is quite a shocking number, is 20. So, so you think about, say, 100,000 Ukrainians coming into Ireland and having the right to bring in 20 p- people apiece, say, and it's more if they mm-hmm. want. Uh, well, what's that? You know, like, uh, like, like that's 2 million people, like that. Without a single uh, uh, conversation yeah. with the Irish people about what they wish for their country, what they fear from this tr- tendency. Where but but think- I, I mean, Ireland has had a massive change, and I, the Ireland I grew up in in the eighties, is as a world away from the Ireland today, and that massive change i mean depending how you look at it i look at it as a someone who's maybe a christian more conservative and and see that massive change with a, the church being quite strong with a, a, a cohesion in ireland um understanding what it meant to be irish but that has been upended and ireland has turned for me one of the most conservative countries one of the most liberal countries um and a, a lot of those changes i think have happened again without the public necessarily being engaged with and asked and discussed what are the consequences of these actions? Are they good or bad for the country? Is that a kind of fair assessment? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, basically, we were told. I mean, this is essentially what we are talking about here, Peter, is totalitarianism, as defined by Václav Havel, you know, where he was talking about, you know, that that the future is prepared for you. Mm. And you were told you must live in it, and there are no options. There is no menu. Uh, this is it. You move in. You're 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 no longer a sovereign uh, uh, person in your country. You are just simply a passenger, and you're the same. You have the same rights if you have as anybody who comes in. In fact, in practice, what we're finding is that the the, the indigenous population no longer have rights in this context yeah. at all. And the reason for that is very interesting, because what it actually is, it relates back to. The United Nations and the United Nations taking up of the 1964 Civil Rights Act in uh, the United States, which kind of gave uh, uh, legal uh, uh, oomph to a lot of the ideologies that were beginning to float around at that point. And in effect, what it means is that when a migrant comes to Ireland or any other country in Europe, they bec- they are, in effect, a floating piece of UN jurisdiction. Mm. They bring with them all those kind of entitlements and rights which the UN will now uh, provide them with. But it is the Irish people who must pay for them yeah. with their communities, with their homes, with their safety, with their security, with whatever is necessary in order to fulfill the contract which the UN has extended to this individual uh, migrant. And the Irish people have no right to speak back to this. Mm. It is quite clear they're they're you know they're just being bullied. I mean, by so-called entertainers, by celebrities, so-called by uh, NGOs, by government uh, civil servants, all paid out of the Irish taxpayers' pocket. Yeah. Now, 
abusing the Irish taxpayer for, for asking simple questions about the future direction of his country and the chances of his or her children having a home to live in. And the Irish people are saying no in, in, in increasing numbers. And thank God, because it has taken a long time for them to overcome their fear of being demonized, of being called uh, names by these people. But now they realize that the price of silence is too great. It is the complete destruction of their metaphysical home and the loss of the birthright of their children. How, how is this? I mean, Ireland is a country that you know what Irish means. Um, and one uh, probably a country, one of the strongest identities uh, around the world has been. But that kind of identity, that heart and soul seems to have been ripped out of the country. Um, how is that how has that happened or how has that been allowed to happen? Or I mean it, we see it in the U in in the UK, self-hatred of the country. Um, but you kind of thought being Irish is something different, is something to really be proud about and the fabric of the society and culture. How has it changed completely? Well, you see, Ireland's been under assault for 800 years, you know, I mean, first of all, by Britain, but, mm. but more recently, for the past 100 years, by its own people, you know, uh, who have basically stepped into the role of colonizers within, native settlers, as it were. And uh, that that has now, you see, this whole thing of demonization, the demonization, you talked about this kind of conservative Mm. Uh, liberal access. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think the words are hugely useful anymore, any more than left and right are useful. But they're they're interesting. They they do describe something in a sense, and certainly they they divide the the the, the field, and mm. we can see more clearly. So it's it's useful enough to use them, but they're they're not necessarily words that have a precise meaning. Uh, and you know, we've now had, as you say, these culture wars for for particularly in the last decade, where we had a series of referendums which attacked the fundamental rights section of the Irish Constitution on the basis of marriage, on the basis of abortion, on the basis of uh, so-called rights of children, which are now, by the way, I, I oppose all these at referendum, referendums. And interestingly, the one in 2012 about so-called children's rights was the most baffling for people as to why I would do that. They say, are you opposed to have children having rights? And I say, absolutely not. But their rights must be vested in their parents. Mm. Has always been the case. Now, after this, and it was narrowly passed, what happened was, that the state took on the role of super parent. And now you see the fruits of it, where a government minister stands up on her hind legs and tells people that she's going to allow children of 16 years of age to trans transition, yeah. to change genders without their parents' knowledge or consent. Mm. Now that's the culmination of what happened in 2012. So, so that's, to answer your question, like, this is the conditions you see. You see, I believe, Peter, that actually Ireland was I forget the word, but there is a word in Spanish for what they call a self-coup. Hmm. And I think we had one such uh, uh, of those in Ireland in 2011, which is precedes this period, just a little more over a decade ago. And what it was was really that the American government under Obama seemed to take Ireland under its wing and to send all kinds of secretive kind of forces into our midst yeah. in order to manipulate and so on and teach us the expertise of scummery, right? And we we learned well. Our, our leaders learned well. They are complete scumbags now. Uh, uh, and and uh, so 
one of the things they did, and particularly so in the 2015 referendum on marriage, was they launched these LGBT goons mm. as almost like Rottweilers, you know, yeah. packs of Rottweilers into the culture, telling people what they could and could not say, therefore what they could and could not think. And they terrified the lives out of people because people at the time, this was new and they'd never seen anything. People, Irish people are gentle and you don't want to offend people and so on, mostly. Uh, they need to get over that, by the way. You know, uh, 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 and, and uh, so, so they would, what you actually ended up with was what I call a, cute, a culture of uh, mutism yeah. or lockjaw, where people became afraid to open their mouths for fear of saying the wrong thing in the wrong company and that they would be pulled up and, and, and reprimanded and chastised by somebody. And that's therefore what you actually found as you in the last decade. And I, I found this in, in places I grew up in the west of Ireland, like where people mm. never stopped talking and saying, you know, the most outrageous things to each other, you know, <laughs> all my life, you know, and, and not being afraid of that or not even being offended by it, but enjoying the, the possibility that you could have these entanglements, mm. this, this argument. But now there were, when you, when you would mention some, you know, slightly, you know, risque subject, you know, and they would look around them. Wow. And then they would say, but sure, you can't open your mouth. <laughs> It, 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 exactly the same here when people will say to you well said uh, I completely agree with you I also share that concern but I really can't speak up because of X, Y, Z and people seem to have lost the courage they still have that yes. inside belief but they've lost the courage to speak yeah there was a great novel published there about five years ago by Anna Burns called Milkman which was about that culture in operation in, in Northern Ireland, right? Mm. And uh, that really resonated with me when I read it more recently in the last couple of years. I, it's a powerful book in that sense because it, it really gets, you know, at the, the undertoes of what happens in a, conscience, a consciousness, collective and, and, and individual, when that kind of uh, pressure for omerta is actually bearing down upon upon that culture, and 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 that I think has been the singular most uh, effective instrument, and and that's why people say, ask why is it that the LGBT movement are always uh, drifting around the uh, immigration issue? Well, that's why yeah. they're paid to silence people. That's their that's their skill. Well, LGBT Rottweilers, that that image sticks with me, and um, hmm. it's a perfect description. Um, what about in in the UK? Our politicians have talked about immigration, or immigration, which is out of control, has happened under a so-called conservative government for the last thirteen years, and they keep telling us, "Don't worry, we're we're going to fix it. We're going to put the brakes on it. Uh, we're going to deal with it." Uh, but they they never do. So there is talk in Ireland. Are they even? talking about trying to do something or is there just ignoring the situation no no you see what happens is yes you're exactly that exactly what you've described there peter that there is talk occasionally intermittently there is talk but that talk is, is purely to damp down the resistance and people for people to go back to their to their work their everyday activities and forget about it you know marching and, and chanting and so on and and you get that where now they've been muttering about the government now mutter about oh they're now revealing for example that 60 percent of the migrants coming into ireland have no papers yes yeah, all that now 
that's a shocking uh, none of us in our wildest nightmares would have dared make such an assertion that even say half or even a quarter of these people yeah. have no we would have regarded a quarter of people of those people having no documents when they arrive here as an absolutely shocking statistic they're saying 60 percent. the government is saying 60 percent. they're admitting culpability and they're implying by that that they're going to do something to stop it but of course they're not they're looking they're saying that to give the impression that everything is fine or the government suddenly has realized that maybe they've gone too far or it's gone too far or you know there's too many people coming here we didn't intend this to happen they put out advert advertising all over the world telling people that if they came to ireland they would get their front door key within four months wow wow it's it, that's 60 percent. that is basically a green light because you're publicizing that there, there, there's no stopping that. I mean, you, you and I going, uh, traveling, you don't have your passport. You're not going anywhere. Um, and, and yet that 60%, I saw that figure. That's just a big green light saying you can come here. Don't worry about any legality issues. That's right. That's right. And, and, and you see the point is, is here's the important point. The people doing this, whether they be politicians or civil servants or NGOs or whatever, they are people who can uh, claim to be virtuous on the basis of forcing other people to accept all of these yeah. newcomers while never actually because they live in basically sheltered areas that are not affected and they parade in the streets and accuse other people of being racist smug in the knowledge that they live in an area where the houses are too expensive for these people to go or for these people to be placed the government can't afford that or wouldn't wouldn't seek to do it it hasn't it has targeted working class uh, communities it strikes me a little bit they look for families that are they're uh, you know lacking in there's some some problem maybe marital difficulties or alcoholism or something like that so there's a weakness and this is the condescension of these people that they imagine that working class co communities have a weak solidarity or that they don't really care about each other or whatever they couldn't be further from the truth. It just shows how little they know about the people that actually they expect to vote for them. And what you're finding, therefore, is that people are actually, the, the, the very people, they would have been better off targeting. In fact, they should start to target now the people that were marching in Dublin yesterday or on Saturday. I would, uh, you know, uh, the, I would suggest to them that uh, they would find take a, take their video, get the video from the guards uh, who were obviously filming the march as they always do, and and just find out where all these people live, and and then move the the migrants in there, and that they will deal with the problem like that, no problem. So let's see how that goes for them. We know it won't go because as soon as the, the, that that uh, the, this begins to encroach on these people's own doorsteps, uh, their compassion dissolves and evaporates. It's only when it's been imposed upon others that they're feeling uh, the capacity to be, as they put it, tolerant. Well, exactly the same thing happened in the UK. Um, they're putting these people not in the affluent areas uh, that would affect uh, those in charge, but in other areas. And there have been big demos up in Liverpool, yes. uh, I guess, mirroring what has happened over there. But tell us about those demonstrations, because you kind of stand up and you think, okay, the people are beginning to, to push back. The worry is that people just accept, but there seems to be pushback. So yeah. tell us about those kind of demonstrations. Well, particularly, I think, since the turn of the year uh, in the working class here, before actually in East Wall in, 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 in Dublin, you know, mm. uh, there was a community there being encroached upon and they rose up and, and very successfully and very uh, momentously 
and a lot of people around the world started to pay attention uh, to this. And then there have been other places in Mullingar, Formoy, different towns around the countryside there. Where, and what you see there is not, you see, the, 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 the slimy lying media tried to present this as a far right and yes. uh, radicalized by these shadowy figures from abroad yeah. and so on. So the utter nonsense, drivel yeah. lies. And uh, what it's actually, the communities themselves, it's, it's women with prams marching. And of course, then what happens is that Antifa and these people, the LGBT thugs who want to just wade in with their, mm -hmm. with their hammers, etc., cetera, uh, can't do that. And they're 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 rather annoyed by this, and they accuse the 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 marchers of putting their children at risk. Well, there would be no risk if these scumbags didn't come near them. Yeah, you know. So you know, like we we need to get. I think really, uh, you you might think my language is a little strong, but that's what I think is most important about this: that the Irish people learn to ramp up their outrage yeah. and trust their repugnance of these people, and speak the words that describe them. Because when you are dealing with something profane, you have to use profane language yeah. or you do not communicate its true nature. And that's why I use those words. Uh, and uh, I think that that's beginning to happen now, that two things are happening. One is that people are realizing that the cost of saying nothing, of being quiet, quiescent and, and mute is, is too great. We need the same back when... Ireland was founded, they're uprising and then fighting to gain their independence. And yes. that's exactly what you need, fighting for the right to reclaim your culture, what it is to be Irish um, and to not let politicians decide for you. So it is exciting to see that. Yes, it is. And it's interesting that it's come from the working class. And it's, there's a yeah. very interesting parallel here to be drawn with the, the COVID uh, episode. Because again, in that episode, we saw the, the quiescence of the so-called intellectual classes, uh, the educated classes, the artist classes, you know, the, the journalist classes, the, you know, so on. Uh, and it, it, but when you actually went into a working class community, people were commonsensical about what was happening and saw right through it. Uh, and so now, you know, this is the extraordinary thing that, you know, that a, a culture, and this is very important, that considering that the, the impact this has made in a short time without any recourse or to reasonable coverage in in the national media all antagonistic all lying all mendacious and so on uh, uh, without artists poets singers so-called you know uh, singing songs at their rallies and so on these are just ordinary people do saying no no enough enough now this is our country we, we were born here. We Our children have been born here. We want to preserve this country for them and for their children. And, and you will not destroy it. Because remember, there's another factor here, which is somewhat obviously uh, opaque because the, the, the police force refused to police uh, yeah. migrants, by and large. But there have been countless stories of rapes, of, of, of all kinds of, of, of intimidation, uh, of of uh, thefts of of and so on, uh, which the, the, the authorities refuse to even speak about, mm -hmm. and indeed, which in which they will be gladly twist the facts in order to make it look like it is the the indigenous population that are responsible. And we've had super, several incidents of that in the past year, going back this time last year, a woman called Ashley Murphy was murdered by a migrant, mm -hmm. and immediately the, the the again under the influence of the the American uh, experience of street theater and so on, 
the street, the, suddenly, the, without almost like as soon as it happened, the street was flooded with uh, people with placards protesting against Irish misogyny. Yeah. You had a similar thing in Sligo then in, in, in April last, where two men, two gay men, were basically executed by a Muslim. Wow. They, were, they were decapitated and castrated. And the president and other people and the LGBT scumbags went out and attacked the Irish for being homophobic. You couldn't make it up. No. You really couldn't. This is what you're dealing with. I mean, you're dealing with a country that is so corrupt that, you know, the word is completely inadequate. We need new words, you know. The, word, the, the nearest word that I can t come up with or that I've discovered that, that kind of gives a resonance of where we are, Peter, in Ireland now, is the word that describes the nature of our government. And that word is cacistocracy. Hmm. Cacistocracy. Government by the worst. Yeah. That's what yeah. we have in Ireland. Cacistocracy. Wow. T tell us about, because in the UK, we are having people, obviously the boats coming over, the, the little boats coming over the English Channel from France to, um, into Dover into into Kent. That's what's visible, um, and that's at I think fifty thousand last year. Talking about eighty thousand plus this year. But you've also got that's only part of the issue. Um, I think we've had a million people come into the country last year. That's legal and illegal. Um, but it is often the the visible route are those little boats coming over. That's the media see. Uh, mm. But there are many other ways. What what is the situation uh, with? Ireland, uh, is it the, the boats coming in uh, with goods and services and people on? Um, kind of, where is where are the routes coming well, into uh, Ireland? These people are being bussed in. They're being brought in by the government now. Essentially, they're being flown in, you know, and, yeah. and they're flying in on planes like by and large. There was a period when there were boats arriving and so on, but but that was, we kind of moved on from that. There's no necessity for them to go surreptitiously. They can get a flight to Ireland. The government will pay for it. They're, they're told by the NGOs not to display their papers. Whether they hold on to them or not, we don't know. In some instances, they don't. They throw them, you know, you know, in the in the bin on the way off the plane, whatever, and yeah. and, and so on, uh, and and to to put a kind of a quantifier on on what's happening. I mean, it's very hard because you know they you cannot trust a single word that the authorities yeah. tell you about anything. No. Uh, but I I do know certain things uh, about this because uh, I mean, first of all, there is the the uh, the anecdotal uh, uh, facility that we have. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that many times I've, if I've been in the middle of Dublin, I don't want to go in there now because it's a terrible place. But, uh, uh, you know, you would walk maybe from a place like the Four Courts to, to the Pierce Station, uh, yeah. uh, which is about, you know, a mile and a half. And I would, as an exercise to myself, listen uh, to, to accents and say, well, what proportion of these are Irish? And, and generally the Irish proportion would come out as somewhere between 20 and 30 percent of those. Mm. Uh, so that was that's a kind of a snapshot, but the statistics, of course, don't bear any resemblance to that. Now, mm -hmm. I don't say necessarily that that percentage in the middle of Dublin is is accurate as to the entirety of the country, but it is an indicator of something. Uh, now, the other another indicator is if we look at say some statistics we, that I've I've seen from from the de for the decade from up to 2019, which is just before the period I've been talking about the the COVID period, uh, when it is clear that on average in that period, 120,000 immigrants came into Ireland each year in that period. But interestingly as well, 105,000 Irish people left. Wow. Now, you just think about that. 
So we still have emigration, which is a historical problem we've had in Ireland, yeah. going back to the mid-19th mid century, from the, yeah. what they're called the famines, the great famines, as it were. Uh, and uh, uh, that that amounts to, like, you know, very interesting when you go into that, because when you take away, you, I mean, uh, you see, the government strategy is to cancel one out against the other, more or less. Mm -hmm. That isn't, that. this is actually a replacement of one by the other. Yeah. yeah. And more than replacement. So that means that you have well over a million from that decade alone, you know, and that's their official figures. Now, I don't believe these people are telling us anything like half the truth. So, you know, you have to say there there are words now that we have 25 percent of our population is, is non-national. And that would have happened within, you know, from, that would have gone from pretty much, you know, a very low base in 20 years and particularly acceleratingly, as I say, so in, in the last few years. Uh, now, when you factor in then another element, which is the, the fertility rates, respective fertility rates of the indigenous population, the Irish population, which has been now in recent years subject by these politicians to mm -hmm. an abortion referendum, which legalized it. And in fact, it's pub funded by the public purse, right? We, yeah. we, even though we object to the murder of children, have to pay for it when our taxes. Yeah. You know, it's obscene beyond, beyond description. But, you know, the, if you just compare the, the fertility rate, as people will know, you know, a replacement rate for the population, the current population of a country is it needs 2.1 children per adult female. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, the figure for Ireland uh, given is 1.8. But when you, you, you zoom in on that, you realize that actually that figure includes the incoming population. Wow. So it's not representative because in many instances, the, 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 the fertility rate among those populations, like, for example, in Somalia, is something like five per adult yeah. and so on. So therefore, what you're looking at is a situation where Ireland has, I would say, an estimate of 1.3, which is about as low as it has gone so far in Europe. Uh, and that's way below the replacement rate. In fact, it's, it's way beyond the level that, at which the population falls off a cliff, which is said to mm -hmm. be above. 0.6 in a generation you've gone you've lost your population you've lost you're you are a mere lump within the society and that's where we're headed and they seem intent and then when you say that they you you know this is the, this is where it gets completely laughable to actually you know even though the un uses the term replacement mm. in relation to to you know elderly demographics and so on if i or anybody on our side of the argument uses the word replacement that's regarded as a racist concept yeah. And they also just will say that and just repeating it. And because they control the entirety of the media, that's what other people, the, the ordinary people who are affected by this, pick up and then throw it out without thinking. Unless it, until it comes to knock on their doors, that, that, that is. But that they was, if you say, if I start saying, oh, yeah, that's re replacement theory, that's a racist concept, you know, yeah. this sort of stuff. And, and another concept that is supposed to be racist is, is uh, um, uh, culture and Marxism which is yep. the underpinning ideology of all of this, uh, which is the ideology of the, of the use of a victim as a battering ram to destroy Western civilization. And that's what's going on. Tell us, because Ireland is a small country, 4 million. The UK is, well, we're told as me. Oh, we're five now, Peter. Sorry, we're five. Oh, you're five. Sorry. <laughs> but for a small country, and that's massively affected, with the UK, you go up to the... The, the Midlands, you go up to Bradford and areas like that, and it used to be a church in every street corner. It's literally now a mosque in every street corner. Uh, I walked around, seen it. Um, 
But the change really in the country, with a large country, the change has been a little bit more gradual. With Ireland, the change has been very rapid. Yes. Um, I mean, tell because that is a utterly destructive effect on a country which is so oh. small. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you see, you can see that already. You can see it on the roads and the traffic, you know, and you can see it in, on the MIM 50, which circles Dublin. It's just a gridlock on a, mm. in the evening time. You can see it in the hospitals, which are overrun. Uh, you know, there's lots of, of ways you can you can measure it, um, uh, and then they tell us that they're not that, that we there's loads of capacity. Ireland's a big country, you know, and low lot of landmass. And I find this particularly interesting when um, they they because I I've been around a long time and I remember being involved in arguments trying to suggest that that we had a, need a better, more evenly distributed. Uh, distribution of 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 resources yep. throughout the country in order to provide to make sure that the the, the, the west and the south uh, grew in a, in a proper way, and of course I was told there's nothing down there only bog, but now it seems they've forgotten about the bog, and it seems we can now take tens tens of millions of foreigners in our country. So this is the thing you see. Okay, well look, Peter, you have to really then stop because it's quite clear you know and we go back to that word cacistocracy yeah it's quite clear that the people doing this have no conscience uh, or thought whatsoever for the effects it's going to have insofar as that they don't care if they damage ireland they don't care if they destroy ireland they don't care what happens to the people of ireland that's quite clear there's no doubt about it now they're more or less saying it that the irish people are not entitled to get houses before migrants that's that's yeah. that's policy now in effect uh, even no matter how long they've been on the lists, like they're not entitled to 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 continue, they're, they're taken off the list or they're pushed back, and the migrants are, are uh, ushered ahead. Now, uh, you know, I and this is all being used with a kind of a blackmail tactic of, you know, oh, are, you, are you a Christian or are you not a Christian? You're supposed to be a mm. Christian. All this nonsense. People who haven't a Christian hair on their heads. Yeah. And uh, you know, like so. You then have to look at these people and ask, well, what is going on? Like, why are they doing this? Like, are these the same people who asked for our votes yeah. not that long ago? Are these the people who promised that they would look after our country and that they would take care of it better than the others? Well, now one of the things we notice is that they're all saying the same thing. So the, that this isn't just that it's one party or the mm. government. It's the, the government and the opposition and the fringe leftists or whatever they are, parties. Down to maybe you'll get two or three independents who are dissenting in a certain kind of sotto voce kind of way. Yeah. And, and uh, you have to say then that, that essentially what, is, what it means is that Ireland is completely captured. Yeah. And it is captured by an ideology that is intent upon destroying it. And that the leadership and the political class know about this. And that they're working it through on behalf of the interest. Whether they're being paid, whether they're being blackmailed, whether they're being threatened with, with uh, hurt or damage, I don't know. Uh, but they're doing it willingly. And they're doing it in such a barefaced way that no sensible person could do other than gasp at what they're saying mm -hmm. and what they're responsible for doing. So uh, the question then is how much longer it will take yeah. uh, for the people fully to awaken and see not just this issue, but the, all the others as well. And then the next question is, well, what could we possibly do about it? Well, you know, I've said it before, Peter, uh, I think the only hope for Ireland really now is complete collapse. Yeah. The, the complete collapse of the Irish economy for, for many years, maybe a decade. 
might actually have the f consequence of readiness of all of these problems, readiness of the political establishment which has been responsible. Mm. We thought we'd done that before, by the way, in 2010, 11, but they came back, the same people, which is a long story, but an interesting one. We might talk about it some other day. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, so I think that, you know, if the Irish economy could collapse, and I think it might in the coming year or two, uh, I think, and Europe, of course, with it. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, we would have a hope of basically our country going back 30, 40 years and building again from the ground up. Well, you're right, because Ireland has been, um, Ireland has grown, really, um, and had spectacular growth. Uh, well, we're told the, um, the, the, the tiger economy uh, with a lot of foreign investment because of the tax low taxes, um, having an educated population, English-speaking population right on the edge of Europe. And it's it's grown on the back of that and made Ireland a desirable, despite all the, the different crashes. But if Ireland is no longer desirable, then people obviously move from Mogadishu to, to well, Dublin because there's an attraction. But if the society collapses that attraction goes so that does make sense then that that reverses that immigration well well for i i, I first of all want to clarify a little bit about the, the economic story because that yeah. that is that is a mythology okay uh, which is broadcast by the political interests uh, the reality is that the irish economy is dying has been dying mm. for decades what you're talking about there what they talk about what they promote and trumpet around the world is a cuckoo in the nest economy which comprises okay. entirely multinational multinational corporations who uh, f who benefit ireland almost to the only to the extent that there's a little trickle which falls uh, you know at their feet and that we we lick up off the ground uh uh, the economy in ireland, of ireland if they bring they, they came into ireland those people promising to create jobs and the assumption was that there would be jobs for Irish people. Google, take one example. Would you like to guess how many of the Irish population, what proportion of it is Irish, of the staff of Google? Oh, you'd expect, like, maybe 50%? 5%. Wow. And that, that, that draws the picture for you. This is a complete con. The, entire, the Celtic Tiger was a con. Of course it was. It was just simply, uh, you know, a bicycle pump pumping up a bubble uh, and then burst and and we ended up with a debt of something like 50 odd billion yeah. uh, which includes the debts of half of europe as well as our own and 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 now we are in this situation where we have all these uh, like for example we have data processing uh, 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 plants in all over ireland now hundreds of them which are using up like more electricity than the entire population uh, uh, put together. They're also using water to cool down these things, which means that very so this summer we're going to have a dramatic drought in Ireland. Already the signs that the, the reservoirs are very low and, and we're, we're still in February, uh, the, the month that historically we we were told fills the dikes. Uh, not any longer. The dikes are now empty or very near to mm -hmm. it. And this is this is all part of the same pattern, you know. So the Irish economy has been struggling, and of course, it was delivered a series of absolutely lethal hammer blows during the COVID episode, uh, where many people were put out of business, small businesses, you know, all over the country, and that isn't that is still to to work its way through. So this is all happening at a time. Now you'd have to conclude, uh, Peter, that that you know this is clearly no plan for the development of Ireland in any way. What's happening? Mm. 
it is the plan for mysteriously and, and opaquely and so on and so on and so on. Who can possibly see into this? Who could predict it? Who could have predicted it? It is a plan for the destruction of Ireland, the permanent obliteration of the Irish people from their own country and their replacement by uh, people who presumably, by virtue of being, uh, you know, having no attachment to the sandbank, as it will be, as Thomas Davis uh, war warned us against, yeah. uh, that they will be people that will uh, simply just uh, do whatever work they have to do, spend their money and, and not cause any trouble, that there will be no talking about patriotism or any of that all nonsense in the future, and that the authorities and the, the, the secret unknowns who run the world will have no headaches emanating from the island of Ireland. Well, just finally, uh Looking at what's happened in the UK, actually a commentator I heard to yesterday on the radio was talking about uh, the cohesion of a culture collapsing uh, and people pushing back. And uh, I think that's just as we're seeing in Liverpool and I touched on before. Um, and I think that's what I see, that hope that it's no longer shrugging your shoulders and accepting it, but it is a, a, a pushback from the people. Yes. I think it's, you see, it's so desperate now. This, the, the, we are now at the point where desperate measures are necessary. And, and you know, you can't predict what will happen in that situation because, you know, you know, you can't judge by people uh, by their responses in peacetime. And you might have got the impression that the Irish people in the last three years were very docile and uh, compliant and so on and so on. And some of them are undoubtedly, but I don't think they all are by any means. There is a spirit there that burns. It has guttered a little bit in the last three years, but is now beginning to sort of liven up a little bit. And I, I think I wouldn't I wouldn't like to be a politician in the coming couple of years. Exactly. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on and sharing what exactly has been happening over in Ireland. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Peter. Great pleasure. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.